Welcome to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast, brought to you by the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. Our podcast will cover current issues in farming and will provide insight from a wide variety of experts in agriculture. Now let's get farm strong. Hello and welcome to our podcast. Um, I'm your host, Rachel Dilhoff. And I'm your co-host, Abby Heidenreich. And today we are very excited to have Beth Archer here with us. Beth, you are the executive director of Agri-Institute, which is an organization preparing leaders to advance in agriculture. So Beth, thank you again so much for talking with us today. We're so excited. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do? I would be happy to, and thank you for um, for including me. And it's an honor to be included. And I'm excited to uh, to spend a few minutes just talking about some things that are kind of near and dear to my heart. But um, so, Agri Institute is a a organization, nonprofit organization that that focuses on building the leadership capacities for individuals, adults who are involved in agriculture. And we do that primarily through a two-year leadership development program called the Indiana Agricultural Leadership Program. Um, and uh, it, it has provided the opportunity for individuals to grow their leadership capacities, as well as broaden their understanding of a whole host of issues that impact the ag industry. Um, I've been doing this role since 1991, so that's 150 years at least, I think. Um, and But I grew up in, a, in an agricultural background, both my parents were farm, from farm families and so I've spent a lot of years in and around agriculture and in and around uh, this particular environment. And so um, it's an honor to continue to, to, to be doing this kind of work and, and to have served in this industry. It's amazing how the agriculture industry can get in your blood. You know, you said both of your parents uh, were involved and in it's once it gets in there, it's hard to get out, right? I know how that For feels. sure. I'm For sorry. sure. I have a son who has chosen to, to be in a career in agriculture, which made me really happy because, frankly, my kids were not raised on a farm. And so I was pleased that I had a son that wanted to commit his, his career to that as well. You said that you've been in your role for, uh, what did you say, about 150 years? Or yeah, probably. <laughs> Give or take a little. <laughs> but in your time in your role, how have you seen... Um, agriculture change in, in what you do, how have you seen these changes um, come across? I know um, there's data showing decrease in net farm income. Has that had an impact? Um, and if it has, where have you seen that impact? Obviously, not just in bank accounts, but I'm sure that as we all know, those kind of stressors can impact other areas of our life as well. So just curious, um, getting your point of view on what you've seen and patterns maybe that, that you've come across along your time. You know, I think if there's anything that makes me so excited about being a part of this industry is the fact that it is always changing. It's always evolving. Every, you know, I lived through the early 80s of, of 1900. I guess I should add that to it. Um, you know, when there were high levels of stress and high levels of, you know, farm income issues and uh, people losing their operations. Alongside that, though, you know, the researchers and all the seed technology and all the input technology was growing and multiplying in ways that allowed us to produce food in, in ways that we could only have imagined, you know, when my grandparents were farming. And so to have watched an industry to continue to evolve and 
re-innovate itself has always been so exciting. And I think one of the things that I find most excited about being in the industry, but there's definitely some ebb and flow in the, in the cycle of, of, of the industry. And, you know, you, you factor in farm income, you factor in weather stressors, you factor in, um, you know, the aging population of those who are actually involved in farm production and how they transition their farming operations to that next generation and prepare individuals to to be in that generation and then you watch you know in the last i don't know how many years it feels like just yesterday but the last few years as we have changed honestly the way we farm the way we produce food the way our farm systems and the food systems have evolved and and look at the, all the exciting technology that's come into that and all the data collection and you know, it's almost a little bit overwhelming, I think, in some respects to think about the ways that we operate our businesses and run the industry. But that's changed so much and it is continuing to evolve, which means that we have brought a whole host of individuals into our industry who don't have that, you know, put their fingers in the soil kind of background. Um, and that's exciting because they bring a whole new perspective to to the work we do, um, but they may not have some of the same kinds of understandings of, of what it takes to run farming operations that, that our grandparents did and those who you know owned the soil and, and the land. So you put all those things together. And then you also think about all the external factors of a consumer who's concerned about where their food comes from, and rightly so, but not necessarily always understanding the work that farmers do and all of those who provide the inputs and the technology and the pieces that make farmers able to do their work, um, not all consumers kind of understand the science and the research behind that. And so they call into question the practices that, that we've put in place to produce a safe and, and abundant food source. So that's put, that puts pressure on our industry on all fronts. Um, then you think about those who are deeply concerned about the environment and I would argue that starts with our farming community and those who are involved in agriculture. Uh, but there's also a host of other individuals who are concerned, rightly so, about our environment, but don't necessarily always understand the practices that farm and agricultural folks do to protect that soil, to protect that water, to protect that air. So it creates a whole sort of complex web of a lot of wicked problems, frankly. Um, that all of us are trying to, to, to deal with. Um, so a lot of changes, but it's exciting. And, and you look about, you know, look at the incredible new folks coming into the industry and they're bright and they're innovative and they're creative. And it's just, um, like it's very exciting to watch that happen. Absolutely. I think, you know, as, as things change in our industry, we have to adapt as individuals too. Um, how have the skills that ag leaders need to possess changed over time? Play a huge part in the ag, Indian Ag Leadership Program. What do leaders need to do now that they may not have done in the past? I don't know that those skills have changed significantly, and that may be a little bit dangerous for me to say that, but I always think that you know, good critical thinking skills good ability to build strong relationships with the people who are involved in whatever work we do are really basic components of leadership. And then being able to identify ways that we can work together for more effective outcomes. 
uh, being able to find that space where we can come to agreement on those things and kind of navigate those tough conversations that have to occur where there's tension and conflict um, over what's right, what's wrong, and who's right and who's wrong, and you know those kind of things. And it takes leaders who are who are willing to be strong to their core values, who understand that um, it's about relationships. At the end of the day, everything in our industry boils down to the people that are involved. And so having good, strong relationships with individuals and then using good critical thinking skills that allow us to be innovative, to allow us to regenerate, if you will, or to um, to revive um, certain kinds of things to, to, to advance to that next level. Yeah. So, I love that. I don't know that that's changed over the years, all right? I mean, if you I wasn't sure exactly. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure exactly where you were going. Uh, you know, in agriculture, it's such a such an emphasis is put on how we change over time and we're evolving and we're growing constantly and changing. And I was like, where's she going to go? But I yeah. really, I really like that. I think I, I really agree with you that it boils down to those relationships and those foundational concepts and those skills that we need to be leaders in our industry haven't changed. It's just the issues that we address are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I hadn't really thought about it that way. So that's an awesome answer. I think that's that's fantastic. It makes you think well, about things a little differently. I think the other things that are occurring is that we're reaching out to different partners than we have traditionally reached out to. And you know, not not to disparage in any way, shape the historic value of all of the folks who have come before us in the industry. But there was a little bit of, you know, keeping our, ourselves in our own lane, if you will, and, and doing agriculture in our own space. And also we're realizing that we have incredible value to those who are building the pharmaceutical industry. We have incredible value to the health industry. We have incredible value to the health, um, to the energy. And so it causes us to reach out and work with different partners. And that takes, that takes a unique skill. But at the end of the day, it's about building those relationships and using good critical thinking skills and, you know, staying focused on what our end result is um, that we need to work toward. Absolutely. Now, you talked a little bit about uh, the changing over time. And I, I want to ask a question about it, the generational differences, because obviously I, I came from a family of farmers as well. And the way my grandpa farmed, it was very different than the way farmers farm today. Mm-hmm. So do you think that there's a, that's feeding off of each other, um, the different generations, the learning, um, learning from each other what what's went well and these new ideas coming in what how do you see those two generations kind of merging together I'm a little Pollyannish honestly um I like to believe that we have a huge respect for the for the um the understandings and and the the knowledge that we've built over time um and that as those who are maybe in the older and or the, you know, beginning to get to the aged level of our industry are also welcoming that innovative thought that new folks who are coming to our industry are bringing and giving, um, giving the respect, you know, respecting the fact that there is history. We do have institutional knowledge of how we've come from where we, where we are today, but also understanding that if we're going to advance and if we're going to grow and if we're going to feed the 7 billion people, or 9 billion people, whoever statistic you're working with, if we're going to feed all those people, we have to be able to do it in a different way. And it's going to take different skills, different technologies, different tools, um, different relationships in order to make that happen. And 
So yes, there are generational differences. And, you know, I get a little, frankly, a little discouraged when I hear those conversations about, well, they just don't work like they used to. And, you know, they don't have the same work ethic. Well, I think we do, but we're, we're employing it in different ways. And being able to, to be um, cognizant of how we can work together in different ways. Um, you know, my grandfather had to get on the tractor at four o'clock in the morning and work till midnight, you know, in order to get the job done. Our folks today have different tools that allow them to do it in a different work cycle. You know, and, and I'm pretty exciting. Yeah. And do you think that this mind, we talk in our podcast and in our farm stress group a lot about stress. And I know um, stress is a major part of farming because there's so many unknowns. And I, I think about my own family, and I'm sure you can think about your family as well, and the stressors that were there and that are, they haven't gone away. Uh, do you think this new group coming in is better equipped to manage that stress? Or um, do you think that the, the tools that they need to manage it are out there better? Or what are your thoughts on that? You know, I'm not sure that um, I'm, I have a magical answer to all of that. The stress factors impacting those who are involved in agriculture, whether it be farm production or whether it be in the veterinary sciences or whether it be in, you know, any of the crop input sales research, the, the stress factors are high. We have a lot on our, on our shoulders, if you will. Um, we're managing the financial side of it. We're managing um, weather that we can't control. We're, measure, we're, we're managing through um, global trade cycles that, you know, affect how our markets flow. We're managing through trying to figure out how to even turn on Zoom, right? Um, or, or the technology, whatever, how to run an auto steer, or how to, to manage that drone and gather that information, or how do I protect, you know, my data? So there's a lot of, a lot of stress factors uh, that continue to evolve that are affecting the mental health of, of the folks. That's nothing to say of just normal fatigue and being tired because there's long hours involved. There are higher risks from, you know, potential accident and, you know, physical dangers that, um, you know, factor into our, our um, you know, how we manage through both the physical and the mental health of our, of our people. Um, and then golly, there's just really life, you know, our families, we have, we have babies, we have deaths in our family, we have, you know, community members who have horrible experiences that crises that have to be helped through. So I'm not sure, I'm not back to your original question, you know, are we handling it better or less? I don't know, you know, um, I, I think we have more on our plate to deal with. Life is getting more complex. I really do believe that. And that changes what we, uh, you know, what we have to deal with. I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, a lot of those points that you've hit, they're all connected. Um, you know, we have more technology, which adds a level of stress. Um, we have more, you know, resources to use and information, but that also adds some stress. Um, we have a generational, you know, somewhat of a gap, but we also have multi-generational family farms, mm -hmm. but that also lay, adds a layer of stress. Um, so all of these things, all of these advances, as we further our, our technology and our growth in the industry, we also continue adding layers of stress. And 
I think it's so important that we talk about those stresses and, and how we've kind of, how we've gotten here, you know, mm-hmm. um, how we've compiled these stresses over time and, and what we're doing about it. I think, um, you know, there's no way to really know if we're handling it better or not, because, you know, looking back, you can always see how you handled it. You know, it's one of those things where hindsight's 2020. Um, so we won't really know how we're handling it until a few years down the road and see where we're at. You know, and then, and then, you know, there's still sort of this fundamental belief in agriculture that, you know, we're tough. We're going to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and we have to be, you know, and sometimes I, I get a little discouraged by that continued conversation, but there's a lot of truth to it. And then, you know, this is, this is sort of our life. Um, and I would argue that even, you know, we talk about farmers who that is their life and it is, I mean, it's their career, it's their profession, it's their life, it's their family, that's their soil, it's their, you know, the multi-generations who've owned the farm. But then I think that's also true for those who are involved in other aspects of the industry and in, in, in the ag system, right? Um, researchers whose life work has been built on creating that next 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 gene that next level of technology that enables production so and you know we don't give ourselves in agriculture in particular but i think in society in general we don't give ourselves permission and space to realize that mental health is as important as our physical health and they are interrelated and if we don't take care of one we're going to have a problem in the other area for sure um, and then it's okay to admit that and it's okay to seek the kind of help and resources and, and information we need to, to fix it if that's what needs to be done. Absolutely. I, I love how you mentioned the interconnectedness of that mental and physical health um, just because it is, if they go hand in hand. And I think too, when um, this older generation is teaching maybe this new generation coming in and practicing what you preach. And that could be a great way too to show, look, take care of yourself because you want to be able to do this as efficiently and effectively as possible for as long as possible. So you have to treat yourself as an asset like you would your tractor uh, because that's just as important. You need that. So I think you said so many great things um, and just, I, I love hearing what you do and, and how you do it. And um, I, I want to know too, like we, we've talked about some negative things associated with stress, but there's also that bright future ahead. What's something really positive that you see in the, in the future of, of agriculture? Well, golly, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, and I know that sounds a little trite or perhaps, um, you know, I don't know, elementary, but, but truly you think about how we're going to better connect with all of the opportunities ahead in the way that we feed the world and we, we do it with greater protection of our environment. And, and you know, I watch, watch our industry evolve in those kinds of things and it's incredibly exciting. And then I think about, and through our program, we do an international travel as well. And so we have an opportunity to spend some time in, in other parts of the world where um, sometimes their technology is much further advanced, but in other areas, not so much. And how we 
advance what we do and then be able to do it in a way that can help other parts of our world advance too. That's pretty exciting. The world's a pretty small place, really, honestly. But, you know, another question I, you know, thought about, we were talking about the intergenerational thing. You know, the, the, our, our, we're working longer, right? So grandpa's staying on the farm a lot longer than, than ever before. We ought to be able to mentally and physically allow ourselves to be ready to work longer into our lifespan. But that also then brings that, that complexity of how you manage all those different generations as they progress through each of those operations too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we've talked about leadership a lot and I think it takes leadership in communities, especially rural communities to really make a difference. And it's going to take that within this, this realm of mental health and that conversation surrounding it too. Um, you know, in the work that you do with Agri Institute, what do you think makes a great ag leader? Is there a certain, you know, element of vulnerability that you have to bring to the table? Is it, um, you know, a political, you know, knowledge? Is it, you know, great communication? What is it that really makes that great leader, in your opinion? That probably could be answered a lot of different ways. Um, and I, I will go back to always, you know, practicing good critical thinking skills and trying to be as knowledgeable as you can on a variety of subjects and building a resource pool, a network of folks who have that expertise that you trust. Um, trust is critical in strong leadership. Um, and being risk takers, being, being willing to take risk and realizing that it may not be perfect fit, but until we try new things or to uh, attempt things in a different way, we won't know what what will work. Um, so I think risk taking is incredibly important and being willing, have enough confidence in your network, your your ability to think critically or your ability to take risks to step into some new roles and being willing to bring others alongside you. Um, in whatever movement, whatever effort you're, you're pursuing. Um, we can't do things alone. We need each other. Um, and to the extent that we can help others grow their skills and be as strong, you build, uh, you build a lot of bench strength that way. Um, so I don't ever see leadership as necessarily being that out front person, although we need good people who have strong skills, skills who can be in those high profile positions or be in those out front roles but they're only as strong as those people that they bring alongside them. And so, you know, I, I think good leaders have recognized that and um, have been able to build their team, their network um, to, to step into whatever roles they've been called to serve. Um, being confident enough to step out and try some things. And, you know, a lot of things are not about our own personal ego. It's about the common good for whatever purpose we're trying to achieve. Um, and and it, when, when you can let go of your own personal ego and step into roles that you advance others along that way, wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. And that shows up in a lot of ways, whether it's in you know, an elected official or it's leadership of our respective trade organizations, or if it's you know, school board members or church leadership, in a lot of, lot of ways that, that becomes important. I think we see that a lot in our farm stress programming that we do um, in the meetings that we hold and, you know, either in person or virtual meetings, it takes 
you know, a group of, of farmers or people in a rural community, they're always hesitant to speak up about mental health, about the struggles that they've had, about any issues that they've faced until one among them is, you know, willing to speak up and say, I've struggled with this. Yeah. They need that, that leader, someone who's, who's uh, willing to open that conversation, step out of their comfort zone, take a risk, like you said, to, to open that conversation up for the greater good. And once you have that one person that many people in the room respect, say, yeah, I've dealt with this, the hands start going up and the, the stories start coming and the impact that's shared is so much greater than it ever would have been if we hadn't had one person be willing to stand up and say, hey, this is happening in my community and I'm recognizing it. Um, so I think it's very important skill of, of leaders. And, and, you know, like you said, you don't have to be out in front being the, the first person. You can be who you are, where you are, yeah. and use the yeah. skills that you have to make a difference. Um, but you have a voice. And, you know, that's one thing that I think we forget sometimes we get so wrapped up in our day-to-day -day lives that we forget that we have a voice that we can make a difference in not only our lives, but in other people's lives, just by checking on them and just by opening up that conversation, especially when it comes to mental health. Yeah, especially. And I think, you know, the sad thing is we get to a place where individuals take their life or they turn to substance use um, in order to sort of fix their, their problem, right? When in fact, as you said, if we would have a community of support, however that community is defined, where we recognize that um, there are some stress issues going on, a person needs an extra, you know, an extra boost or an extra, you know, arm around their shoulder or someone to walk alongside them to through whatever struggle where they can be honest about what their feelings are. Um, and I also think about how strong and powerful leadership could be in a community, especially a lot of our rural communities that are perhaps more isolated from urban centers or even, you know, medium sized communities where there are not resources available to address mental health issues. There are not the kinds of um, professionals, there are not the kinds of support centers available. Think how powerful it would be if a community come along and say, hey, we need to make sure that we have a community Who's, who welcomes, embraces the fact that mental wellness is important, and we're going to bring whatever resources or tools we need to our community, and we're going to make it okay for whomever in our community needs to walk through that door to get the services they need. We, we need to make it okay they can do that without a stigma or some sort of judgment by the rest of our community, um, because it's not a failure when they walk through that door. In fact, it's an incredible strength. And it may not be walking through the door. It might be, you know, telehealth or, or telebehavioral services. But they've got to know that they can go seek out those resources. And they can do it in a safety of understanding the community comes with them and not against them or, or alienating them in some way. Yes, and I 100% agree with you. And having those leaders, too, to to make that okay mm -hmm. is gonna be critical in that movement. And it sounds like what you're doing uh, with Agri-Institute, you're shaping those leaders, helping give those tools. And if people want more information about what you're doing and, and just being a better leader, where can they go to get that information? 
Well, to participate in our programs, you can go to the website, which is agriinstitute.org, and that's A-G-R-I-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E.org. So information is available there. Phone call, you know, or, or email us at, you, know, you can email me at bath at agriinstitute.org, and I'm happy to, to provide information on that. We're going to be um, releasing a series. We're working with the Indiana Rural Health Association next year to release a series of uh, mental health or mental awareness kind of programs. We're calling it Healthy Minds, Healthy Lives. Um, and it's going to be a day-long program. We're going to offer them in 23 locations around the state of Indiana. Uh, probably be able to release those dates and locations sometime in the next um, 30 days. But it provides an opportunity for people to come, to learn, to hear about the fact that, you know, COVID has brought us to the point now where we're somewhere around 40, 40 to 50 percent of our rural population have a mental health issue of some kind, which is pretty high. Now it depends on whose statistics you read because it's very hard to gather that data. But our goal is to provide these kind of programs where people can come learn more about what the real factors are and they'll be doing some training to help provide better information. How do you recognize those stressors in yourself and in the others that you work with and then seek out kind of resources? So I'm hopeful that these programs, I mean, we, we need to do a whole lot more, but hopefully they will be the kind of programs that help us reduce stigma and help us get, um, get folks in a place where they can be more knowledgeable. I don't know if that helped answer your question, but, uh, you know, we yes. have all that. Yes, that's perfect. I'm looking forward to that. I think that's great. And you said those those dates will be out soon and available on your website, correct? They will be on our website and they'll also be on the Indiana Rural Health Association website. Um, we're joining forces with them um, along with Purdue Extension because they are also part of that effort. And in um, and, and the farm stress work that you all have been doing. We're, you know, trying to lift all of us up together. We don't, any of us have enough resources to do it alone. So let's, let's work together and share those resources and support one another in this work because it's so critically important. So Absolutely. That teamwork component, it, it applies everywhere. So this is great. Uh, looking forward to it. And we thank you so much for talking with us today. Um, and just all the information you shared is just it, it's so great to hear and so needed and hopefully as the future goes there's going to be a lot of really positive and great changes that come with that as well so thank you so much beth and thank you everyone for listening to tools for today's farmers podcast if you'd like more information about the purdue extension farm stress team please go to our website at extension.purdue.edu slash farm stress, or you can find us on Facebook at the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest, or if you have topics you'd like to suggest for the tools for today's farmer podcast, you can leave a message on the Farm Stress Facebook page and we will take your suggestions and get back to you. And we use the hashtag FarmStrong on our post to emphasize the agricultural community is resilient and strong enough to overcome anything that comes their way. So you can share your story of overcoming stress on our social media using the hashtag Armstrong. And we are your hosts, Rachel Dillhoff and Abby Heidenreich, and we thank you so much for listening.